Good evening. It's good to be here and worship with you. It's good to look back and see some relatives that are here. I heard they were the ones that gave my name. So we have uh, some fifth Sunday, the need of some fifth Sunday Sunday school teachers. And they, we just haven't worked a date out yet. So that's all it is. So. But it's good to be here, Tom. It's good to see you here as well. The brother did a really good job this evening of introducing this uh, topic, this title, The Christian in Separation. I've been asked later in the year to share about the Christian and uh, materialism, and maybe your thoughts, brother, on, on the American dream ties in very close to that. If I was to put a, a name to this subject, I would simply call it a line in the sand, because I really think that's what we're talking about when we talk about the Christian and separation. We're talking about two different things, and there has to be a line of in the sand, if you will, a line maybe, if you, if you really want to look at it this way, between the saved and the unsaved. Um, and I believe very quickly we could get on the same page this, this evening that that there is, I'm getting ahead of myself here. There's a point that we could cross, when we cross that line between saved and unsaved, we could cross that line and lose our salvation. We, we could very quickly agree to that. And yet at the same time, the opposite is true. For those that are unsaved, that they get to a point, they reach a point where they are saved as well. It does work both ways. The second thing I think we could very quickly agree on is, is the line where the church is today is getting further apart from the world. The world is getting a lot further from us. I think we can all agree to that. I hope that that's the way it is. That, they, that, that the line between us, that gap between us, if you will, a line in the sand is a boundary, and it's very clearly marked if you draw that line in the sand. is a boundary between us. The title tonight, The Christian in Separation, who is the Christian? So let's, let's just look at this for a little bit. The, that person whose life has simply been washed in the blood. The liberty that's talked about in Philippians, the perfection that is talked about in the, in the book of Philippians, is talking about the person who is in Christ, who has been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So who is the Christian? It's, it's not selfish, and it's not about me. But it's rather an understanding, it's rather a giving up of self. It's that person who has um, understands submission and freedom and understands what true freedom is. And that freedom, that submission, that freedom comes by doing the will of Jesus Christ. And I think of the words freedom, I think of joy and peace and an understanding of those. That Christian is the person who has come to that point. The other side of that, again, or the lost, those people will not and cannot understand that freedom, that liberty, that peace, that joy. They will not and cannot understand that 
till they come and fall at the feet of Jesus where each one of us have been and need to be continually. The Christian in separation. Separation, set apart or set aside for a special purpose. And this, this word, this thought of separation gives thought to a boundary line. Uh, on the way down here, we crossed that state line. We crossed from Maryland into West Virginia and then into Virginia. And then we came to the valley, as you all like to refer to it as, this beautiful Shenandoah Valley. We crossed that line and we are here in this beautiful valley. It gives the thought that the Christian is different uh, the Christian is separation. There's, there's a difference. There's a distinctive difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. But this is not a new thought for God. Uh, in fact, this thought, this separation is original with God. And in Genesis, the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 3, talks about God creating light. And after he creates light, he says, it is good. This is good. And then he separates the light from the darkness the very first day. He said, and this is the evening and the morning of the first day. So he creates that line in the sand, if you will. He, by speaking into existence light, he is creating that separation that we're talking about here this evening. That boundary. And he said it was good. And then you go to the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. And again, he talks about this. And it's kind of that separation there of the doers of his commandments. It's Revelation 22, verse 14, it says something like this. That the, those that, have, that do or have done his commandments are invited to enter in to the city. Through the gate. And then those that didn't are left outside the gate. And it, and it talks about whoremongers and, and the, the lover of lies, I believe, is how Revelation says it. And they are apart from each other. A very clear, distinct boundary. Apart, separated from each other. As a springboard this evening, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to read some very familiar verses 17 to 21. And if you pay attention to the Sunday school lesson, and, or if you're the teacher of an adult, uh, uh, an adult class or a youth class, this was in one of our recent, very recent Sunday school lessons. And as we studied through it, I, I wrote the reference down and said, this is, this is a very good place to start this evening. And it is a very familiar verses. And the, and the lesson focus of that lesson said this. Said to, to desire to walk as pilgrims experiencing the peace of God. How? In holy living. In holy living. Philippians 3 verse 17 says this. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so that ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, 
that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They've walked away. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Their heart, their desire is, like the brother said, that American dream. They mind the things of this world. Verse 20, for our conversation, and remember that word because we're going to come back to it a little later this evening. For our conversation, and here that word means citizenship. For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vow body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This evening, before we look at, at the points of the Christian and separation, I want us to, I want to give you a few word pictures, maybe a few analogies to try to help bring your mind and wrap your mind around the subject of the, the Christian and separation. And these, these are things that I thought of that happened as I was studying this or that, that I thought of as, we were stu- as I was studying this. And the first one of those analogies is this past Monday, Memorial Day, we had a, had a ball game. Our churches get together occasionally and happen to be Monday evening. And you, you're picking ball teams, Right. And, and those of you who like to play volleyball or softball understand how that works when you're having a church ball game and well, you don't want to be the last person picked. Um, and so you're picking these ball teams and you're chosen for either team A or team B. Now I understand that that analogy breaks down very quickly because we are not necessarily just chosen as a Christian, I know there's scriptures to, that we could look at there, and that's not really what I want to look at. But what I want us to think about is that being on a team is that clear line in the sand, okay? That's what I want us to think about. You're, you're either playing for team A or you're playing for team B, unless you're a player like me that if you're on team B, you're really actually helping team A a little more than team B. Um, that, that could be the case. But that clear line in the sand between team A and team B. Or maybe for you to, to visualize this just a little better is more like a battle or a war. Where you actually physically have to choose a side. And there's a reason or a purpose for choosing that side. Uh, maybe maybe you, you could look at the Civil War where you actually had to choose inside of your own nation which side you were going to be on. But again, as you look at that as an analogy, there is that clear line in the sand. Again, you have to make that choice. Thirdly, there's a very clear, distinct, in Matthew chapter 25, and these are some very familiar verses, this is that final separation. And I want and as I thought about this, my mind went to this scripture, Matthew 25, 31. And this is talking about the judgment. There's a lot in Matthew chapter 25. We'll just pull out a couple verses here. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, 
and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's the ones on the right. Then if you skip down to verse 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. A final separation. Again, a very clear line in the sand, a very clear separation, but a final separation. And fourthly, as you think about a word picture or an analogy to wrap your mind around the Christian and separation, and maybe this one is more practical, uh, more, more prevalent, And it's this thought of being like the world to win the world. It's being, joining them to be more like them. And it becomes a blurring of that line in the sand. And it becomes muddying muddying of the waters. It's no longer a clear, distinct line in the sand. And for many of us, we have that in our families. We have it in our friends. And God forbid we have it in our churches. Friday, this past Friday, I was talking to a Pentecostal pastor that, that grew up in that setting. Uh, he was raised in that setting, still in the same church his parents took him to. And he was a youth pastor for years, and now he's more of an evangelist. And, and we, were, we were talking Friday and he, he's telling me, he was telling us that, that how he's worried about the, the music, the world's music coming into their church setting and, and how it's affecting them, the places their youth are going and things like that. And he's concerned, and rightfully so, we are too. A blurring of that line and no longer that clear line in the sand. We have a young family that's coming to our church, uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, their names are Joel and Skyler, and they have six children, and I don't actually know their ages exactly. I would guess them in their mid, early, mid-30s, maybe. And they've been coming for a few months now. He was raised in a church, I'm not sure the setting. She was raised agnostic or atheist. And they, they, as I mentioned, they have six children and they were living in the city and they moved up to West Virginia, very, very close to us, right across the river in West Virginia. And they're searching for truth, for truth. And as they're searching, they, they, they had moved down to the city and they were in a Baptist church setting there. And when they got to modesty... 
when God, when God had led them to that point, is when they, they said, you know, there has to be something more. There has to be someone, some people somewhere that's living out the scriptures. And somehow, I'm not exactly sure how the Pilgrim website works, maybe some of you know, but somehow through the Pilgrim website and, and corresponding with them, they, they found that, that our church was the closest church uh, to them. And they show up on a Sunday morning when we were having a fellowship meal. It was kind of like that perfect scenario where, you know, nobody has to invite them back, but, you know, we're all there eating uh, dinner together and, invited them to stay and they stayed and, and, and their children had a good time there and, and, and it was like they felt welcome from the very first minute. But what they were looking for, this is what they're looking for. They're looking for that clear line in the sand. They're looking for safety. They're looking for boundary. They're looking for stability. All those things that we've been given and taught from little up. It's what, really what they're looking for. Brothers and sisters, we teach and believe that the Spirit guides to truth, right? That's what we believe. Again, the Christian in separation. I'll tell you one more thing about them. <clears throat> they, when they asked to see... Our, a copy of our discipline, and I thought, oh boy, here we go. And, and he had questions, he's a very intellectual guy, and he had, he had questions pretty quickly, and like, we're going to need to meet and talk about this, and my fellow ministers had messaged us and said, look, you know, Joel's got questions, we're gonna, we need to sit down with him and explain this to him. Sure, let's do it. But the more he read it, the more he watched, the more he's been there, it's like the questions have went away. Because he's like, you know, I get it. I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to apply the scriptures again, again. Um, they're looking for boundary, that clear, definite line in the sand. He did tell me that, that as Mennonites, he said, you all know how to party. You have a lot of food, and he was at our gradu Zach's graduation. He said, I haven't stayed out this late since I was doing things I shouldn't have. And, well, look around us. We know how to cook, right? We, we, uh, we're good at, at, at getting together and fellowshipping. And, and, and you know what, really, maybe I should have said that earlier. That, that's really something else that they're looking for is that fellowship and that brotherhood that we take for granted, right? And again... The Christian and separation. So there's four things I want to look at this evening. The first one is separated unto God. Separated unto God. Holiness. The first point there is holiness. First Peter 1.15 says this. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. There's that word conversation again. And here it means... All manner of life or lifestyle, the way you live, the, the, the things you do, the places you go. Be ye holy in all manner of life. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is all inclusive. There's nothing left down here. There's nothing that, that gets past this point. 
God is holy and we are called to be holy. Separated unto God also calls us for service. We are set apart for his service, to do his service, and to do his will. Let's turn to Romans. Uh, Romans 6. There's some really familiar, most of these are passages we look at a lot. Romans 6 verse 16 Romans 6, 16 says this, For ye know that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. In other words, whoever you give yourself and obey, that's really who you belong to. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteous, righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which, which was delivered Unto you, And if you go down to the end of this is where it's talking about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Whoever we serve, that's who we belong to. And the end of, of one is death, and the end of the other is life, eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. We turn to this passage a lot when we're leading someone to the Lord. And they and use a lot of these verses uh, in Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Secondly, separation and nonconformity. And we look at these things and we teach these things, and they're in your probably in your discipline as well. I got this out and I read Article 10, and I'm, I'm sure that ours follows a very similar uh, pattern as yours. But Article 10 says this We believe that we are called with a holy calling to a life of separation from the world and its follies. Sinful practices and methods. Further, that it is the duty of the church, that's our job, the duty of the church to keep herself aloof from all movement, movements which seek the reformation of society independent of the merits of the death of Christ and the experience of the new birth. And then it goes on with a bunch of different references. The article of separation, nonconformity. The brother read from Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 about being, not being conformed. Let's just turn there. Romans 12. One, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present, that you show forth, present your bodies a living sacrifice, something that is ongoing, not, that it's not just a practice, but it's living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service verse 2 and be not conformed or molded to this world but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect 
will of God. More like Play-Doh rather than a rock. I don't know if you've ever heard that illustration before. But being willing to be formed or transformed by the word of God. Nonconformity in our minds and in, a, and in a, our thoughts as well. Separation in our mind, separation in our thoughts. Philippians 4 verse 8 is the Christian's filter. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Separation in our mind and in our thoughts. Separation in our actions. The things we do being separate from the things of the world as our brother shared earlier. Separation in our appearance. The way we look. Or a smile. Just a simple smile sometimes. Can you do that? Separation in our conversations. The things we say. The things we talk about for Hours. Our conversations about our money, our farms, our business, our trucks, our tractors, our politics. I was with one of my superintendents this week doing a one-year walkthrough. And my superintendent is a, he's a um, conservative brother man, which is very similar to us. He's an elder, which is the same as a, what we would call a bishop. And he is, he's good to work with because of things like this that happen. Um, this customer is a very, he's an engineer and I like to talk to him and we've, we've known each other for a while and we're talking, we're done to walk through and we're talking and, we, and it goes right into politics. Uh, and, and him and I are right back at, uh, of what we think Trump needs to do and why he should and why he shouldn't and who he needs to endorse and on and on and all of a sudden I look over and I look at Luke my superintendent and he is not getting drug into this conversation and it hit me what I have to preach about Sunday night um, you know there's two different kingdoms and, and I, I look at Luke and, I, and I'm like how, how's he, he I've never seen this brother get drug into conversational politics me, on the other hand, is, is pretty often, and sometimes I may or may not actually start the conversation. I was convicted by that. Again, that clear line in the sand of two different kingdoms. Thirdly, separation as a testimony to the lost. We talked, I already talked about being like the world to win the world. Our daily lives, and we know this, we talk about these things that our neighbors, our friends, our family are watching. And they are watching. And I'm sure you've heard the, the, the statement that, that the church is full of hypocrites. They're watching. Let's not forget that. My question is, do they see the peace? Do they see the submission? Do they see the selflessness? That we see. I see it. Do they see those things? Do they see the liberty that we have in Christ? Do they see the freedom 
the freedoms that we have in Christ. Remember that, in Christ. Or do they think that we are in bondage? Do they look at us, oh, they're in bondage. They're, they're weird. Or do they think we're a cult? We're talking about the Christian and separation in a clear line in the sand. Getting ready to, or in, in the process of building a house for a man that has worked at the Hagerstown Airport for 25 years. He, he moved to Hagerstown from California, and he is, uh, he is a geek. He created, created? Um, no, that's not the right word. He, he owns the patent. He invented, there's the word I'm looking for. He invented some software that, if you remember through the Bush administration where they started tracking your cell phones, he's one of the people, or probably the person that, that started making that software. I've known this man for probably 15 years. And like I say, he has lived in Hagerstown for 25 years, and for 25 years from his house, to the airport, he drives by Paradise Mennonite School. For 25 years, he's wondered, who are these people? Okay, came from California. So we're, I've done a lot of work for this man in his business and where he lives, and, and we're now building his retirement home on his horse farm. And, and we took a day back in January, and we drove to Lancaster to pick out um, uh, timbers and a lot of reclaimed wood that's going to go into this house. And we had planned for this day. We worked our schedules out. We had planned for this day. And he told me, and Willie said, when we're on the way up there, he said, we got two hours in the truck. I want to know about the Mennonites. Okay. Could do that. I kind of forgot about it. And we, we get in the truck that day. We're going up. His wife's in the back. Him and I are up. We're talking about the house and what we wanted to get done that day and what we needed to pick out. We got somewhere up around 581, and he said, hey, you remember what I said I wanted to, to do today? I said, what? Tell me about the Mennonites. So I gave him the five-minute overview, that real quick answer. That didn't satisfy him. He's like, no, I want to know the difference. What do you believe that's different from other, from the Catholics, I think is what he said. I thought, well, so I talked to him about how we believe about salvation and the um, assurance of salvation, how we look at confession of sin and, and infant baptism versus how we baptize, things like that, uh, about who Jesus is. And then we got to divorce and remarriage, and he's like, What? If, you get, if you're divorced, you can't get remarried? Like, totally new thought to this man. And I get to spend the next two years with him on his project, and I'm sure there'll be more conversations. But we're talking about our separation, the Christian separation, that line in the sand being used as a, as a way to... Um, as a way of testimony to those around us. 
And I asked you this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But how many of you have been embarrassed by what, by your mother when you were a little boy because she looked different than everybody else in town? Or your wife? How many of you? I know I have been. There's times that we may be embarrassed for what we stand for. And we shouldn't be. A testimony not an embarrassment. Remember that. Fourthly, the blessings of separation. Tonight, the life that we live is not a burden, it's a blessing. What we've been given in our Mennonite cultures, in our Anabaptist culture, is a blessing, not a burden. The peace, the safety, and it's not just now, it's through all eternity. Right? Through all eternity. Bondage. Bondage. Does bondage come from God in the church? Is that how you look at it? No. Have you ever noticed the bondage of the lost? Actually, saddens me. Have you ever noticed the bondage that they are in? Brothers and sisters, we need to be thankful tonight for what we have been given, for our brotherhood. Most of these people around us don't even understand that word brotherhood like we do. We need to be thankful for it. We need to embrace it. We need to teach the next generations. Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Tonight, hopefully this has helped you understand a little more the Christian in separation and that clear line in the sand and, and you are encouraged to pass it on to the next generation. It's been good to be here and to worship with you. Many of you have come to our church and blessed us. Jay has been there and Elam, I think you were there and it's been good to have some of you there. And many of you have spoke into my life, blessed my life. Again, my relatives that are here, it's good to see you. Just want to say God bless you and thank you.